Hello, everyone. You're listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, and we are thrilled to be joined by Hockey Hall of Famer Al Morganti. We're recording this podcast just a few hours after the Flyers have relieved Chuck Fletcher from his duties as president of hockey operations and general manager. Danny Breer will be the team's interim GM, and the Flyers are now starting the process of hiring two separate positions, uh, a new person for uh, president of hockey ops and a new person for general manager. So a massive day in Flyers land. And Al, it felt like this had been brewing, possibly <laughs> brewing back to the last offseason when Chuck Fletcher wasn't really aggressive at all. And then maybe the trade deadline when he failed to move James Aaron Reams like was the tipping point. How do you see it? Well, if this was brewing, this coffee was bad a long time ago because it's been brewing for too long. Uh, and that's how I see it. It's just a long overdue situation, uh, Jordan, that really became, I think at the end, the general manager to the fan base was being treated like a pinata. And that's how obvious it was that things were going to change. And why it took so long, I've really searched trying to figure out why you would do this. For most of us, we thought way back at the holidays, Christmas time, it's going to change, is going to be made because the Flyers have to go in another direction. Fletcher was hired not as a rebuild guy, but as you saw by some of his trades, some of them get back in, make an impact. Yeah, there were injuries, there were excuses, but they weren't there. So I, I, I suppose that they were trying to get to the summer. I don't know why they wanted that as their finish line. Uh, and finally, when nothing got done at the trade deadline or min, my, minimal got done at the trade deadline, I was like, well, it was supposed to be a big to-do and it just fizzled. And then the fan response was like, we have to do something now. It's ridiculous to carry this any further. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Yeah, you saw so few people in the seats last season, and I thought the the message last January was aggressive retool, and I think the expectation became in the fan base that the team was going to be aggressive in the summer. They were going to maybe make a splash, do something to get this on the right track again, something to reinvigorate the fan base. And when Fletcher went out and his biggest move was essentially to acquire Tony D'Angelo and Nicholas Delorier, and they didn't really even pursue Johnny Gaudreau, just felt that was when I felt like the criticism had really went up to a, another level. And then they lose 10 games early on in this season, a third straight, uh, a third double-digit skid in Fletcher's tenure in just over a year. Joe, w- where did you see this kind of all start? And uh, where do the Flyers really go for here? You know, from ne- Where do they go from here now? Well, it, to me, it, it's interesting because I, I it seems like there are hands of the organization that are not talking to one another. And maybe today they decided to start talking to one another. But, um, you know, to uh, to have Chuck run the trade deadline last week and then to be dismissed a week later is 
bizarre is the best word I can come up with. Um, you know, you mentioned last offseason and they traded Drew and that turned out to be probably, well, not probably, that'll go down as Chuck's best move to, to get Owen Tippett and a draft pick for, for Claude Drew. It turns out to be his best move, but I feel like that's going to be glossed over, not necessarily by, well, a little bit by bad moves, but lack of moves, I think is more of a, because as you mentioned, the Giroux trade almost set the stage for this big offseason that never happened last offseason. And then this offseason, you knew for three, four months that you had to trade JVR. He was your chip. He can help teams power plays. He's on the last year of a deal. A lot of very attractive elements. And then sort of last week when Chuck went out there and said, well, I didn't even get a call until I forget the exact time, but it was sometime in the one o'clock hour. It was almost like um, it left everybody at a loss. And, um, you know, that, as Al said, he just became the target for rage and sort of not, not that fan like social media commentary matters, but fans in seats and spending money on the team that matters. And I feel like that had to be the final straw. Flyers talk is brought to you by great railing. Stop in the great railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing decking and fencing needs. Al, the criticism eventually reaches reaches the top. You can only fire head coaches so so many times. You can only trade players or so many players, I should say. Claude Drew's no longer here. Jacob Vorchek no longer here. A lot of the core members are gone. Elaine Vigneault was fired. They have a new head coach. Was it inevitable that this was going to reach Chuck Fletcher and and his seat? It was only inevitable if the team didn't perform this year. I mean, you know, the excuses I was talking about, you know, Atkinson, Couturier, Ellis went on forever. But you have to recoup from that. So once this season started to unravel and they didn't admit to a rebuild, then it became inevitable that there had to be a change. I don't think you ever really want to change. I mean, if you only respond to fan criticism, that's dangerous. But in this case, it's been going on and on and on and kind of uh, kind of siphoning off uh, a fan base from season to season to season. So I, I think what you really have to wonder here is, did the plan just go south and, and they just didn't want to stop it quick enough? And I think that's what you have here. I'm real curious where they go from here. They've already announced a split in the front office, you know, general manager, president, uh, like that. But which direction they're going to go and how they're going to fill this. If Danny is indeed more than a, an interim situation here, and who would be the other person kind of running this organization? You know, Al, I'm, I'm curious what you think. I, I know they said about the split uh, in, in the, the front office, but do you think that there's a chance that that doesn't end up being the case and that the next guy does end up having the dual role like Chuck had? Or do you think no, it's definitive no, they're hiring I, teams? Back? I don't think so. I, I think the way things are going now in all sports is it's just so complicated running things. I think you want to have as many um, collaborative situations as you have, as you can. And also really included in whatever mix there is, 
this is an unusual situation. You have a very, very new and powerful coach who's already speaks like an assistant, at least general manager, because he's he's a huge part of this. They've sort of asked him to put eyes on their future. And he spoke more like a general manager than the general manager in terms of we have to look and see what we have. I mean, he, you know, he had a eyes on boots on the ground look at what was going on. And, and I think his voice and his uh, input is going to be critical. And you have to wonder when you, you know, it's kind of backwards on what's gone on here. Who is the new GM really, you know, Tortorella is a different kind of a coach. Uh, you know, comfortable with it, I would think you'd have to be because he already is a huge part of what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, Joe, how how, how much uh, insight do you think the Flyers are going to take from John Torello on this position? As I was mentioning, I would I would think it's it's going to be a lot. Well, when, when we, from what we've heard from John Tortorello this year, if they're taking a lot of insight from him, you have to think Danny Briere is a really good candidate to be the permanent GM here because he has talked about Danny at times this year, like he was already the GM. Um, and, you know, Danny's here. Um, if you're going outside to hire a GM, it's kind of an odd process to bring an outside GM in and give, give them their coach. Um, and cause it generally goes the other way. Whereas Danny was here already uh, and knew what he was getting into, the Flyers gave him a um, you know a bigger title after he was a finalist for the Montreal job. So you have to think they've kind of been—I don't know if grooming is the right word, but almost like preparing him for this role. It seems for the last few years, and um, so you'd have to expect that he is the leader in the clubhouse for the GM role. Um, um, but it is kind of an odd process because it seems like they're fully dedicated to John Tortorella, but then you have, it's on, you have to sell the position above Tortorella to a candidate. So it's, it's a, it's a odd process and sort of out of order. So I think it'll be a very interesting process for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder if maybe splitting up the titles and hiring two people, as Al mentioned, I think it's way more common now in sports, but I wonder if that's possibly to open the door for Briere to be the GM. I'm just guessing, but you know, if you have him serve as GM, then you have someone above him that can seriously advise him and make sure, you know, possibly that uh, he has everything that he needs. Um, Al, what does this mean for the roster? I There's, <laughs> a, a lot of bigger contracts on the on the roster. I think a lot of guys that the Flyers were going to think long and hard about in the offseason to begin with. Now there's a new GM and president of hockey ops coming in, and you got to think uh, this person's going to have very little ties to some of the players here. Uh, what 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 do you think could happen? Well, Jordan, if they if they were hiring and they and they were asking the candidates for a math test they'd probably only test them on subtraction. I think that's, that's, where, that's where you're going to have to start here. And I think this is going to go beyond just those two positions there. I think the entire organization is going to be looked at in terms of who's evaluating talent. You look at the drafts that have happened in the past. I think all of that is going to come into, in, into play. And I think that that is where 
Tortorella's input on, you know, what do you think of so-and-so? Oh, well, not so-and-so. What do you think of Frost? You know, what, what, do you, what do you think of any of the Forrester came up? What do you think of these kids that, that we've taken a look at? Uh, you go into their, into their minor league system. Please help us uh, evaluate this. There, there really has to be a, a plan that doesn't go A to B. It's almost going to have to go A to Z. On, on what you look at here and how, you know, what is your, what is your future? Map this out for us a little bit. How, how far are we away? Because sadly, you can look at an argument here that if you just took the entire NHL and said which teams are furthest away from a championship, the Flyers would be in the bottom of what's gone on, just in terms of what people think of the, uh, what they have coming up. Uh, and that, that's going to be, an issue they're going to have. So I think that's going to be a deep delve into whatever candidates, what you plan, how long do you think it's going to take, and how do you evaluate our talent here? Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Joe, how much did the the voice of the fans, how much was it heard here? I, I think it was heard loud and clear. Uh, eventually, fans drive this whole thing. That's, it, that's ultimately how it works. And I just felt like them not coming to games and the, the arena being half, half empty, half full, however you want to look at it. And then the Rangers fans basically taking over the Wells Fargo Center the day before the deadline. I don't think any of that helped. Chuck Fletcher's calls here uh, because it, I, I think ultimately frustration uh, really spoke through the fans. I think it's, it's a, it's a combination of um, anger, uh, lack of willingness to put money out and then apathy. And the last one perhaps might be the most damaging um, because anger is okay. That's you show you care. And then in like last week, we started to see that we hadn't heard it in a while. Up until that point, there was a real sense of apathy in um, almost irrelevance. And that is that is the big uh, issue for the franchise. And I believe John Tortorella said it to some uh, on some on a radio show last week that they've reached irrelevance around the league. And that's that has to be the the number one thing that has uh, that spurred this move on because you'd rather have a ton of people angry than not care and um, I feel like maybe they decided that this was time to start this process because they can't go on any further without people caring and um, you know. You look around this city, you have the Sixers near the top of the Eastern Conference. The Eagles just played in a Super Bowl. The Phillies played in a World Series. The longer that sort of stuff goes on, when you're meddling down at the bottom of the league, the more apathetic the fan base gets. And the Flyers can't afford – they can't afford that, literally cannot afford it. So, um, yeah, I I do think the fans' voice was heard loud and clear here. And – you know, I, I, I don't think it's been lost on the, the hierarchy of this organization hearing the coach talk every night about how they can't score. 
Um, and, you know, what he's saying, I believe, is just one, the truth, but I also think it's a message to the front office. They can't score, and if you're not scoring in this league, you're not going to be competitive some nights. Now, and competitive by competitive, I don't mean close games. I mean, last night it didn't seem like the Flyers were going to score. Uh, they didn't really test a goalie, and that's just one example of many this year of game in games where the score looked closer than what we saw playing out on the ice, I think. Al, it was interesting how John Tortorella really became a spokesperson almost for the organization, and he was way more honest than than his GM. And perhaps that's part of the title that they that those gentlemen have. G- GMs, I think, are a little more – they sugarcoat things a little bit more. They are maybe a little more optimistic, whereas a coach like John Tortorella is going to be brutally honest. But did Tortorella really kind of become the face of the Flyers the day he was hired? And um, I think that will continue here moving forward. Yeah, he did, Jordan. He was the, I mean, <laughs> I think he pushed Gritty aside and <laughs> became the uh, face of the franchise and, and the voice. And you're right, he was I'm brutally honest. He was truthful about what he saw. And I think he, I think he got a shock here when Atkinson couldn't play and Couturier. It's like, oh boy, now we're going to go into this season. We were already going to be challenged. Now it's really going to be challenging. And, you know, he's been kind of charged with putting eyes on on, on what you have, who can score. And he's been honest about can't finish. Uh, you know, Farabee coming off an injury. When Konechny went down, you're basically looking at a team that in a, in a league where goal scoring is up, skill levels way up. If they get two goals a night without Konechny, it's, it's a good night. <laughs> and, and that's where I think he's been honest about what we have and the way we have to play. The, uh, the danger there is it's very difficult to do that as a competitor, as an athlete, as a hockey player to go in and being told, let's try to keep it at three to two or whatever, or lose three to two. You never want to lose, uh, but just keep it, keep it at a point where we can kind of go in. So that's, that, that, that's the honesty that I think fans look for. I don't know that you ever do anything. Look, the, the fans in, in Philly are passionate, but they're also smart. And if you actually had sold, we're rebuilding, I think there would have been a lot more in terms of, well, we'll accept this. We'll, we'll, you know, we can bear this. But that wasn't the case with this general manager. Not, he never would admit to it, nor should he have, because he wasn't brought in to do that. And that, I think, is where the frustration came in. So as much as the fans not responding and being unhappy, I don't see how you could have been happy with the results of a team not making the playoffs again, being basically under 500 since you took over, and not doing anything dynamic, whether you want to look at the uh, Johnny Gaudreau situation before or the trade deadline um, to, to, to kind of uh, kind of follow through with, with your plans. That's such a good point, Al. I, I, I really do believe fans would have been on board with that, that word rebuild and, and being almost as bad as they were last year. And they were bad last year. I think the biggest problem was they just, they misled the fans and, you just can't do that. If you know fans want to be in the know, and when they're not, uh, they get frustrated and they demand change. And I just think there wasn't real clarity on the Flyers' direction. Were they were they going for it? Were they aggressively retooling? Were they focusing more on the future? How are they approaching it? And I just don't think the message was ever fully delivered or clearly delivered. And I feel like that's what uh, really hurt Chuck Fletcher's cause big time. Yeah, Jordan. To me, I, I think the 
John Tortorella was the first person to come in here and actually give a consistent message for a number of months in a row. And the message was, we have a lot of work to do here. He said it over and over. He was the first one to say they're not making the playoffs this year. He His messaging has been consistent. Prior to that, there wasn't consistent messaging. It was a lot of, like, I don't like getting caught up on terms, but aggressive retool and then having Chuck Fletcher come out last week and use the term rebuild almost seems like um, I give up type of thing. It, it, it has a that sort of tone to it when when you finally after all of this admit to the thing that everyone who pays attention already knew was going on and um that that to me is is where that's how you lose people you lose people when when there isn't consistent messaging and it's not so much people thinking that they have a bad plan it's thinking that they don't have a plan and that is to me what this whole situation pretty much since the bubble playoffs has shown itself to be. Al, my final question for you will, would be how much pressure did Chuck Fletcher face from Dave Scott in the sense that when things started to really go off the rails and it was clear the Flyers needed to restart, he had been brought in for action. Dave Scott said it when they, Fire Ron Hextall. They were looking for a guy that had a bias for action. And I feel like Fletcher was maybe being pulled in two different directions. One of, no, we need to get this right now. I was brought in to get it right now to, no, we need to be patient here again. And I, I know people don't want me to be patient. It, it was it was not a uh, an enviable spot at all. No, it was not an enviable spot, especially with injuries that came. But, you know, everybody has mishaps like that. Everybody has to overcome obstacles. I mean, you can't use excuses. I mean, everybody would have an excuse. You, you had to do better. I don't know. I don't necessarily think they lied to the. I think as much as people want to say they misled fans, I, I think they misled themselves. I, I, I honestly think Fletcher thought he could get out of it one way or another, add a tough guy here or there uh, and, and not not go after a, a good row. Um, so I think they sort of misled themselves as much as anything. And I think that's where the uh, real breakdown became an inability to just admit, OK, this guy was brought in to uh, get us over the hump. But now look at the situation. We may have to change direction. And they they were unwilling to, to change that, to admit that they changed that direction. So now you're forced. Uh, and in a way right now, whoever comes in, whether it's Danny, whomever, at least there is a if not a clean sheet of paper, a, a cleaner sheet of paper to get going on and uh, huge decisions ahead on who does, who stays, who goes. But at least uh, that fork in the road has been reached because you can't take both of them and the Flyers split themselves in half trying to take both of them. Yeah, that's so true. And it just felt like eventually they were going to reach that fork in the road and they had to take it to one direction or the other. Uh, Joe, I'll, I'll ask you this, too. Uh, I don't think people want to hear excuses or make excuses, but how much did COVID really impact Chuck Fletcher's job? It just seemed like once the pandemic hit, uh, everything went downhill because they were going pretty well in his first year before the pandemic hit. Well, I, I mean, I would argue they were going well in the playoffs there. I mean, that Islanders team became a thorn in their side. But really, I mean, the, they 
they were playing pretty well. They were getting good goaltending. And I, they had a real shot to win that series with the Islanders and get to the conference finals. So I'm not sure. To me, it was everything after the bubble playoffs that kind of went awry. And, um, you know, you had weird seasons. You had Carter Hart take a, a, a step backwards and then kind of redeem himself. But while he was redeeming himself, the rest of the roster was a mess. And really, um, I think you can trace this back to it's hard to recover from something over the long haul like the Nolan Patrick pick. It's hard to recover from something like um, the Ryan Ellis trade where he only ends up playing four games for your team. Um, it, it's now they didn't lose much in that trade because the guys they traded, you know, haven't that hasn't really panned out either. But these are the when you bring in a guy and you're counting on him to do something and he's not available to play, then you go out and you make the D'Angelo move to kind of put a band aid on that. And it's all it's just this vicious cycle of trying to make up for things that have happened. And I think over the span of time, in this case, if you go back that five years or six years to the, to the Nolan Patrick pick, uh, it just builds up and it wears down a franchise. And um, I think that's what's happened here. But, I mean, COVID had an effect. Uh, I, I think it had an effect more on the players than it did necessarily because you, you had Travis Konechny come out and, and, and say that he came back out of shape. And the guy's – routine in their schedules for off seasons and seasons were messed up there for a good two and a half years because they were playing less games. They're coming off the summer where they're playing the Stanley cup finals and, you know, the middle to the late summer and then starting up another season with a short off season. And so I think that had an effect, but every team went through that. So it's not as if the flyers were unique in that circumstance. So I think it had some effect, but I do think the cumulative effect of a number two pick that doesn't pan out a free or a trade um, that just really, I don't know what other way to say it than blows up in your face. I, I think those things have caught up to this team in, in a big way. Yeah, there will certainly be a lot of what ifs I think moving forward. I got to imagine Chuck Fletcher is deep down thinking, what if, what if if something broke his way or, what if this happened? Uh, a lot of what ifs, but decision was made uh, today that the Flyers are changing direction. And we'll see where it all goes, and we'll have it all covered right here on the Flyers Talk podcast. Al Morgani, a massive thank you. Hockey Hall of Famer, really appreciate your insight here on a day like today where we don't, we don't know when this stuff's going to happen, but you're ready to act. So thank you so much, Al. A big thank you to Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live host. And a huge thank you as well to Tom. Producer. Producer. <laughs> so use the saying host for Ashlyn. Yes, producer. Joe is not on TV, but he is on camera, of course, on the podcast. <laughs> and a big thank you also to Tom Finer, Mr. Do-It-All, always ready to go. A huge thank you to Tom. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by 
Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time.